Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino online. I was only playing for fun, so winning was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's favorite free online social casino. You too could have the chance to win life-changing cash prizes. Absolutely anybody could be like Mary. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumboCasino.com and play for free now. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice of the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of the winner. We started seeing significant volumes moving into UFO. It seems as if it's possible that someone or multiple entities were looking to trade UFO as a proxy to these halted satellite related companies after Global Star had opened up. It opened back up around you know, 40%. And that was prior to the second largest holding within UFO. Hi, and welcome to Exchange Traded Fridays, a weekly ETF.com podcast that covers all the big topics in ETFs. I'm managing editor Heather Bell, and I'm joined by my longtime colleague, Samit Roy. Today, we are also joined by Andrew Channon, CEO and co-founder of Procure Asset Management. Thanks for joining us, Andrew. Roll to be here. Thanks for having me. It's good to chat with you, for sure. I guess to get things started, we saw a huge spike in UFO Procure Space ETF last week after Apple said the new iPhone would be using various satellite technologies. Can you talk about like what entirely drove that spike in UFOs trading? Yeah, so you know, it, it's tough to tell exactly you know, what reasons people were, were trading. However, the timeline actually lined up very interestingly with the Apple event that we saw last week. During that event, it was made known that the Apple 14 um, in North America would be utilizing a, a new technology for iPhones, which is the, the SOS system and is basically allowing for Apple uh, iPhone 14s in North America to utilize this platform, which will allow for enhanced connectivity, particularly in emergency and SOS types of situations where you might not have typical infrastructure allowing for connectivity. Now you can have satellite connectivity when you need it the most. And so this is a, you know, certainly a major win for, for one of the holdings, Global Star, in in the fund UFO. However, when this news came out, numerous stocks in the space industry were halted. And it was around that time that we started seeing significant volumes moving into UFO. It seems as if it's possible that someone or multiple entities were looking to trade UFO as a proxy to these halted satellite related companies. And we saw after Global Star had opened up, it opened back up around you know, 40%. And that was prior to the, halt, the second largest holding within UFO. So it seems as if it was possible that a tactical trader may have been utilizing UFO um, as a proxy to determine where these companies may reopen upon the halt being lifted. Gotcha. So does that like bode well for asset flows coming into UFO going forward, possibly? It's, it's tough to tell. I think you know, there's the age old story about you know, ETFs and providing liquidity. And I think what we saw here was you know, a fund that you know, has traded you know, numerous days over 100,000 shares. Um, but recently, the average volume has been significantly lower than there. And you know, on this particular event, you know, someone coming out and trading several hundred thousand shares 
of UFO all within, you know, a short period of time, I think goes to further show how ETFs are this interesting structure that although there might not necessarily be volume on the tape, in many cases, there are traders out there that are looking and, and monitoring and willing to provide liquidity throughout the day. And if there are particular events that occur that, you know, you may still be able to, to access that liquidity, even though there might not be that much volume on the tape. As far as, you know, what the long-term means for this for, for asset flow, you know, I think it's a positive sign um, for investors that are looking to get into ETS, whether new, old, liquid, or illiquid, you know, that there may be that the opportunities for, for liquidity if you're looking to enter or exit um, stock positions. And that's you know, something that I think the ETF industry has done a pretty good job of explaining to investors over the years. But when you actually see it happen in, in practice, it's you know, fairly reassuring. So I think you know, investors that you know, had maybe considered UFO before, that maybe thought that the volumes had been you know, lower recently and are, you know, were concerned about that, hopefully that's something that can um, you know, reduce that concern for, for people out there. But you know, I think it just goes to show that you know, ETFs are out there. They might not always be the most talked about or the most in vogue at that moment, but when investors are ready to consider making investments into ETFs, there's you know, potential for there to be more liquidity than they may see directly on the screen. Great to have you on the show, Andrew. $60 million in assets in UFO over the last two years or so. So it's definitely resonating with some investors. But if you talk to the average person, space investing probably seems cool and futuristic, but not necessarily something relevant today. Why should the average investor consider investing in space? What is the thesis? There are numerous. And, you know, I, I think for every type of investor has different reasons and strategies, and some may be more tactical, looking for a specific event type of catalyst. Some may be looking for broader themes or trends that are happening within an industry that could help, uh, you know, lift many boats. Um, you know, people have long-term views, some have short-term views. And so this is an industry that I think, you know, allows for numerous perspectives on uh, you know, investing strategies, but it is something that is extremely interconnected to our everyday lives already. Anyone that's using a smartphone, uh, people that are likely, you know, many of them are the ones listening to this podcast, are in probably numerous ways utilizing satellite technology to listen to this podcast or just to be utilizing their smartphone in general. So you think something like GPS, which people have on their smartphones and their smartwatches or is utilized when you're trying to get from your home to your, to your office or to an event, um, whether you're having food delivery come to your home. Uh, GPS is something that is inherently used now with you know, most types of smartphone technology. And it's something that happens you know, behind the scenes. So you know, what are some of the important things and trends that are going on for the space industry? We're already utilizing space today, but things like reusable rockets have significantly helped to drive down the cost of launch. So one of the biggest barriers to entry would, would have been cost historically, but because of reusable rockets, lowering the cost, lowering the time between launches, this is something that has opened up space for many more businesses. So new technologies can be R&D'd, you can do them in space on a orbiting space station. You can test out parts on a satellite, but you know, sending satellites to space has never been cheaper. And the technologies that are on these satellites are allowing satellites to, to do even more, even be reprogrammable once they're actually put into orbit. So the amount of players that can now come to space because it's more economically 
uh, feasible to test out making their company more space focused is becoming more realized every day. And that is, you know, potentially bringing new clients and new, new, you know, future payers for the space economy forward. So that's extremely exciting. Then another major change that we've been seeing is over the years, in the initial days of the space program, space was almost entirely funded by governments and government agencies. Several decades later, looking at today, governments roughly represent 20% of the overall space economy spending. Now that said, we've seen numerous big players that have you know, publicly announced their ambitions for space, maybe not all of their ambitions, but certainly some of the things on the near-term horizon that they're looking to do is now presenting a new opportunity to see government agencies as well as uh, the defense industry um, and militaries around the world looking to rely more on space because space is more important for them than it's ever been as well. And so you have new customers, you have old customers, you have old technologies, you have new technologies, and these are being made possible by this modern day space race that we're seeing that's not just between countries, not just between militaries, but also between companies as well and their ambitions. So the opportunities that we're seeing now in the space industry have really opened up. We have many more pure play publicly traded companies out there. And one of the important things for UFO is it is a pure play focused fund utilizing an index that focuses at least 80% at rebalance to companies deriving a majority of their revenues from space. I think that that is a really important thing for someone looking to invest in space may want to do something where they're actually getting exposure to companies that are generating revenues from space. Andrew, you mentioned satellite companies, rocket companies, another one that comes to mind, Virgin Galactic, I think, or Virgin Atlantic, one of those involved in space tourism. Are there any other type of categories within space that you can find in UFO? There are numerous. And you know the, the types of clients that these companies are serving um, is, is becoming even more wide-reaching as well. So yes, you have your satellite operators, satellite manufacturers. You have companies that are helping with the launch of these satellites. So you think of something like the iPhone announcement. Not only is there software that needs to be developed, hardware that needs to be developed, new satellites that may need to be manufactured, then you also have the launch companies that you need to hire in order to send your, um, your assets into outer space. And so you, know, you need ground stations that are able to communicate with those satellites as well. So there's a significant investment that comes along with you know, any type of new change or, or rollout. And we're starting to see that already um, just from Apple alone. But you know, the military and defense part of space is becoming extremely important, as we've seen with the Ukraine war, because satellite companies were the first ones that helped us see the actual troop and supply buildup on the Ukrainian border before the actual invasion occurred. And now having troops around the world and bases around the world and the requirement for secure and uninterrupted communications also becomes critical. And then you look at things like hypersonics and technology, yes, for human or cargo transportation, but also for the delivery of weapons. This is something where space has become more entwined in different sectors than it has been before. And this seems to be a trend that looks like it may continue in the future as satellite costs and capabilities are only enhanced. Andrew, I was wondering, UFO kind of tends to have a lot of 
aerospace and defense type companies in it. So what would you say sets it apart from your average aerospace and defense ETF? So although there may be some overlapping uh, aerospace and defense names, for us, it was really important that we utilize an index that focused on pure play. So to us, that meant, you know, providing companies that are generating you know, significant percentages of the revenue from space, also realizing that there are major diversified aerospace and defense companies, your primes uh, in the industry, and they are, they're major. And to not include them would be missing out on you know, a pretty substantial part of the overall space economy. But because they have businesses that are also engaged in other areas that may be the main drivers, it made sense that the index had built in something that would also allow for their inclusion, but to cap their inclusion. So when you look at these diversified aerospace and defense names, the total at rebalance will be up to 20% of the fund. So over 80% of the fund is still focused on these pure plays, which may have little to no exposure in aerospace and defense funds. So there may be some correlation, but it's far from one-to-one and the overlap is still fairly small as well. So someone that is looking for the opportunities that space may provide may prefer to be in something that is more space-focused, such as a UFO. But again, for you know every investor, that's you know, something that they have to consider. And for some people, UFO might be a satellite exposure that they add on to their aerospace and defense exposure because maybe they don't think that they're getting enough exposure to the space industry as a whole. That makes sense, Andrew. We've talked a lot about satellites and rockets and things like that. Is not having the option to invest in SpaceX, which is a private company that's a big player in those areas, something that concerns you? No. And you know what? It's so many things that SpaceX has done has actually helped benefit the broader space industry. So we were talking about reusable rockets, and that was something really uh, brought forward by SpaceX years ago. And that is a technology that other companies are now looking to incorporate, make their designs based off of. And that has significantly driven down the cost of accessing space. When SpaceX is able to get those costs lower, and now companies can afford to send up satellites or can afford to send up more satellites, well, certainly that is you know a driver for revenues for SpaceX being able to help launch those components. But there are numerous companies that are involved in the manufacturing and the parts and pieces and supply for what goes into that satellite. And so they're helping enable many space companies as well to uh, position themselves for, for more clients. You know, I think although many people would be interested in having exposure to SpaceX, you know, there are benefits that SpaceX are actually providing to companies that are in the space industry. So if it became public, it's something that I would imagine the index provider would, you know, throw in to see if it meets the methodology requirements. But as you mentioned today, it is currently a private company. Gotcha. And when I think about space, I think about the future and I think about growth. And obviously growth stocks have taken quite a beating over the past year. Are most of the companies in UFO's portfolio unprofitable type of growth stocks? It's a wide mix. And I, I think it's important that you bring this up. You know, there are companies like some of those diversified aerospace and defense names that have been around for decades. Then you have you know, newer startup pure play. Maybe some of them were you know, uh, de-spacked uh, companies that specialize in one or two areas within space. Then you have you know, your satellite manufacturers that have been around and have gone through different stages of M&A and, and capital raises and debt offerings. So it is a, a pretty spread out basket. 
Um, it's not just growth companies, not just defense companies, it's, you know, it's not just value companies. There's, there's a mix of many different types and it's reflective of, you know, the pure play publicly traded space companies that are out there today. I think one, you know, confusing thing that people, you know, might not be aware of is, you know, everyone has a different definition of space. Some people might see space as, you know, sending robots to, you know, other solar systems to gather information. But you know that is that type of thing is is such a small piece of what the space industry is today. That although you know there might be some companies in UFO that are providing exposure to you know different technologies that might help enable mining on the moon or of asteroids or building out you know private space stations and things like that. You know, a lot of what is the space industry today is your know, communications, and that has been a big driver for the space industry over the past several decades. And when you look at different projections out of groups like Morgan Stanley and Bank of America, Merrill Lynch, that put out projections of the size of the space economy out into the future, although they range from you know, over a trillion dollars by 2040 to $2.7 trillion by 2045 and you know anywhere in between, one of the common threads that they believe that uh, communications and connectivity will continue to be one of those larger drivers um, to get the space economy to those sizes. So I think it's also important to note that the you know, UFO does have you know, a fairly large uh, waiting exposure to these satellite communication connectivity companies. Andrew, I love talking about space. It's such an exciting area, but I want to turn to one of your newer ETFs, which is the Procure Disaster Recovery Strategy ETF, ticker symbol FEMA. This tracks a portfolio of companies engaged in recovering from natural disasters, such as hurricanes, wildfires, floods, earthquakes. That seems like a very niche, very specific type of portfolio. What prompted you to launch this and what's the thesis here? This was a concept that had been you know, several years in the making. I you know, personally was, was a, a student going into my junior year for university down in New Orleans when Hurricane Katrina struck. I was living in New York City when Hurricane Sandy struck and you know, saw some of these you know, kind of firsthand uh, issues that occur. And so natural disasters have been something that's you know, been top of mind for, for a very long time. What we really started realizing was how important these companies are and how little exposure many people have to these and that many people were unaware of how big of an issue this can be in the future. And so just in April, the White House came out saying that by the end of the century, they believe that the cost of natural disasters to the federal budget alone could be roughly $2 trillion per year. So if I was to tell you, hey, there is an industry that you know, just alone is going to be getting $2 trillion of U.S. government support you know, in the future, that might be an industry that someone would you know, be interested in. And you know, maybe it's you know, slightly taboo that there is an association with natural disasters, but the reality is natural disasters are increasing in frequency, damage, and financial devastation. And, you know, even if we are you know, phenomenal stewards of our environment and we reduce our emissions and we clean up our oceans, natural disasters are still going to occur. And we have more assets in high-risk areas than we ever have before in the history of humanity. And as population centers increase, as effects of climate change continue to, to get worse, as sea levels rise, as temperatures change, we have more volatility in weather. It seems like we are entering a period of you know, sustained natural disasters and having exposure to the companies that 
potentially increase revenues and provide the, the necessary assistance and support from protecting ourselves proactively from natural disasters or helping us rebuild after these natural disasters seemed like this would be a very interesting exposure for many different types of investors from you know, individuals in high risk areas to even you know insurance companies that are possibly looking for ways to, to potentially hedge the risks that they may have from natural disasters in the future. And this is a truly global phenomenon. So this is a globally focused index that the fund tracks um, because you know, roughly only one third of costs from damages over the last many years from natural disasters um, affect the United States. But many of these companies are uh, global in focus. So Andrew, I was wondering, because UFO and FEMA are two very different funds. You've spoken about the personal experience that kind of backs up FEMA. I was just wondering how you decide on a theme, how you decide what's going to work, what's going to be compelling. You know, what's your process for that? Yeah, you know, ideas come in all shapes and forms and come from, you know, either experience or, or things that you've gleaned over the years, or sometimes, you know, something that someone else just, you know, puts in your ear and, and you start getting to work on it. You know, ideas have come from different areas, but, you know, a common thread tends to be industries that seem like they have long-term potential. Something that is, you know, just a quick fix technology, you know, I kind of look at it more as, okay, well, do you want to be invested in the, the record ETF, which then became the a cassette tape ETF, which then becomes a CD ETF, and then you have to, you know, invest in the, the MP3 and as time technology moves on. But what we look for are these broader themes that are the, the broad theme itself. And you may have these different changes in technologies that occur as time progresses and as technologies change. But you know, what are those areas that are these themes that you know, could potentially provide growth opportunities in the future? And you know, natural disasters, these types of companies have probably a lot different profiles of space companies. But you know, in some cases, there are actually overlapping similarities as well, where we utilize space to help us better prepare and better understand natural disasters. Andrew, it was really great chatting with you today. Thanks so much for being on the podcast. Listeners, thanks again for tuning in to Exchange Traded Fridays. You can find this and all our other episodes on the ETF.com website and on all the major podcast platforms. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino online. I was only playing for fun, so winning was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's favorite free online social casino. You too could have the chance to win life-changing cash prizes. Absolutely anybody could be like Mary. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumboCasino.com and play for free now. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice of the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of the winner.